All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 241 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now at botano.ca. I am Jason Greger. Frank Saravalli uh, joins us from his uh, hotel room in uh, Vancouver, as uh, you're out in uh, God's country, uh, getting set for a preseason cross-country tour, Frank. Woo! Lots going on. Well, starting in Van, though, it is interesting. Like, Vancouver, to me, is is a very intriguing team. A, because of Demko and goal. He only played 32 games last year. And, you know, how much better can they be with him healthy? And, you know, Rick Tockett, you know, we would say the same thing last year. Oh, now they have their coach. He was there for half the year. And it didn't really work for Vancouver. I think, though, that this year might be different with Tockett. I don't expect the Canucks to get off to a terrible start. I do, too. Uh, I agree with you completely. And I would say that the 10 nothing loss in their preseason game to the Calgary Flames notwithstanding, <laughs> a hallmark of a Vancouver Canucks team under Rick Tockett is that they're going to compete. Yeah. It was, he, I think he had the line of the, the training camp so far when he said uh, – Standing up at the podium, he said, I feel like Sean Payton uh, after his Denver Broncos got waxed and the Miami oh. Dolphins put 70 up on the board. Yeah. Uh, this was the hockey equivalent of that, uh, a touchdown and a field goal. Uh, tough way to start, but look, preseason doesn't matter. The last time we talked about a preseason result that mattered was never. So uh, putting zero stock into that, but I, I, here's here's my bold prediction. I think the Vancouver Canucks make the playoffs. No. And I'm going to give you a few reasons why. Demko, right. you hit on, is one. I think the fact that he wasn't healthy last season and started with some really tough numbers to begin the year, uh, that certainly didn't help Vancouver's push. Their season was over really kind of before it began. So Demko is one. I think he's excellent. Two, I think they really improved their defense in a significant way. Now from one to six or one to seven, you feel pretty confident in the guys that they have. You're not asking younger guys to do too much. Guys like Ian Cole are going to be a huge addition to that team. Um, you know, you see now a full season with Philip Ronick, who's in a contract year. Um, you have some highly motivated individuals. And then on top of that, I think you talk about the continued maturation and development of Elias Pettersson up front. You know, I think he takes an even bigger step further this season. Um, 
you know, from 105 points to 115 or 120. He's one of those guys to me that, you know, I think he's really just starting to scratch the surface and that's going to be a huge boon for the Canucks. Yeah. You know what? I, I think the Canucks Calgary, it's going to be a very competitive Pacific division. And I think you can make an argument. The Pacific might be what top six might be the deepest division in hockey, or it's going to be really close. Um, so you know, the Atlantic might say, hey, wait a sec, we could be up there too, and that's fair. Um, uh, Vancouver, to me, is A, get off to a good start. They got try to stay healthy, which would be a key. Uh, you mentioned Demko, even when he was uh, healthy at the start of the year, wasn't great. But, you know, goaltending is is kind of voodoo from year to year, excluding a few guys. So I think Demko could be all right. Uh, I just, I, you know, Vancouver had a lot of distractions, Frank. Like there was a lot of things going on off of the ice around that team that I think if they can internally as an organization quiet the white noise, that would probably make things a little easier for the group. Don't you think they've already done that though? I mean, look at how they handled their business this summer. It kind of felt to me like that changed as soon as the Bo Horvat trade was executed. And that's not me throwing shade Horvat's way at all. It just felt like there was kind of this calmness. It was like, okay, we know that our captain has moved on. This sort of long lasting saga has ended. Um, that's the change. And then that kind of coincided around the same time that they made the coaching change within a number of weeks. And so Rick Tockett comes in and then there was kind of this handoff, at least from a public perspective of who is the person that's the voice of the front office for the longest time, it was Jim Rutherford. And then now they kind of passed that torch to Patrick Alvin and, and you heard Jim Rutherford say, look, Patrick's going to be the guy that speaks for this team. So in that case, um, I feel like you add all those things together, an understated Quinn Hughes captaincy announcement. There wasn't some big show. It kind of just feels like they have their hard hat on and they're ready to go to work, which is the way that it should have been for a while. And it feels to me like there's less distraction. I'm looking forward to being around the Canucks this week to get a sense on on if that's accurate. I'm pretty sure it is. And uh, what about McKayev and Pullman health-wise? Yeah, I think Mikheyev, um, I think you're always going to have some questions about that, you know, anytime anyone's coming off of a, a significant knee injury, um, you're going to have those questions. So um, I, I'd expect him to, uh, to, to really ramp it up here in the next few weeks. And with Pullman, I mean, it seems like a long shot that he's going to be playing this season if resuming his career. Those those headaches, migraines, concussion-like symptoms, whatever it is that he's experiencing, obviously have him away from the team. Now, it was interesting, Frank. I was speaking with Connor McDavid in the press box last night, and uh, it's funny. He asked, he goes, hey, what do you think's the equivalent to 70 points in an NHL hockey game? Like, how many goals would you have to give up to be equivalent to that? So... My gut was, I was like, I thought 13, right? Because in the NFL, uh, that was the first time somebody had scored 70 points since 1966. And uh, in the NHL, since 1966, there has been 10 times where, uh, well, actually seven times the team has scored 13 goals. Twice they've scored 14. And once was 15, the North Stars against the Jets way back in 1981. So would 15 be the equivalent to 70 points in the NFL? Because it's, you know, it's very rare. I don't even think 13 is high enough considering it's happened seven times. It's not so much the goal scored. It's the margin of victory like that. I think that 10, nothing preseason game is probably about as close as it gets to the, to 70 to 20. No. Yeah. Well, all these games were blowouts in the regular season. Like the closest was 13 to four. There was 15, yeah, but that's 14, still, two. That's 13 to four is a nine goal. game. I mean, not to say it's nothing, but you at least got four on the board at yeah. some point that game might've been competitive. Yeah. Well, the orders did beat the Canucks 13, nothing in 85 and Toronto beat Detroit 13, nothing in 71. So maybe that would be it, but you're right. Yeah. It was, you don't see those type of games very often, man. It was, uh, it was almost comical a bit. And they, and, they, and the thing I love those people like, Oh, they're running up the score. No, they're not. You play the games, man. If you're in the NHL, like fans were chanting, we want 10, uh, even if it wasn't necessarily the home fans. So, you know what? Uh, I've seen that before. It's it's one game. It's a one-off. You should have a little bit of fun with it. I'd, 
I'd like teams to go for it more. You get to nine, you should try to get to 10. It's just something about double digits in a hockey game. Well, it's also a message sent. Like, I know it's preseason and I know whatever. You play for keeps. Like, this is – people are competing for jobs. You're putting food on the table. Um, the time for, you know, let's play nice in the sandbox, That you know, that's for junior hockey. Yeah. It was amazing, though, to see, like, 10 nothing. Oh, my goodness. You'd think you'd find a way to do something. Now, obviously, a home team uh, in the preseason, Frank, especially early on, usually have uh, – a much deeper roster to put it politely. So, um, yeah, well, there's that. So are you sending a, a bat signal out to the, to the gamblers, the sick, sick gamblers out there that are betting on preseason hockey? Oh man. Like not always, but yeah, the home guys are, especially in the first few preseason games. If you're paying attention, the home team usually has a better roster. Doesn't guarantee you win, right? Edmonton had more NHLers last night and Colin Delia stood on his head in the uh, preseason game. Um, I, speaking of goaltenders, because they added Casey to Smith in Vancouver, is he a lock? Like what happens with Spencer Martin? How close do you think, or how open is that competition for the backup in Vancouver? No, I think Casey to Smith is probably a lock. Uh, look, there's a familiarity there. Um, you know, Jim Rutherford, they, Patrick Alvin, they know him from Pittsburgh. Uh, they have some familiarity there. I, I can't remember if Rick Tockett was there or not, but so, like they would have known Casey DeSmith, and there's a reason they went out to get him. Um, I do think what that does, though, is it leaves Spencer Martin available. Uh, my guess is that there's going to be a number of teams in the next 10 days that are trying to trade third goalies just because they know that they're going to have to lose them on waivers anyway. And I, you know, there were some rumblings that the Canucks are, are, um, I don't want to say comfortable, but at least planning on the idea of having some of their young guys, you know, play as a tandem in the AHL that they want to get those guys games and starts so that maybe Spencer Martin is the odd man out here. So I, I don't know if a trade materializes or not. I don't, I'm not sure what the consensus is around the league on, on, Spencer Martin standing if he's ready to be a, a full-time number two. Uh, but that's, that's where things are at. Okay. Yeah. Like it is. In, it's interesting because if you claim a goalie, then you got to keep him on your 23 man roster. Right. So that's, that's where the challenge is for some team. And Hey, we've seen some good goalies Forsberg, you know, recently, Frank, the guys that get put on waivers, it can turn out to be pretty good goalies. So there are, you, there you are some diamonds in the rough voodoo. You just, you don't know. No. Uh, if we had said this exact day last year that Aiden Hill and look different pedigree, not Spencer Martin, but Aiden Hill would be the guy hoisting the Stanley cup for the Vegas golden Knights. We would have said you're crazy. Oh, without question. Yeah. Without question. Um, any, uh, anything else? It's very early in, uh, in preseason, but if you're looking, I, I guess I want to get to, cause it's different and they're in Australia, Frank, uh, the NHL, uh, Arizona's over there. LA's over there. St. Louis. Um, what did you? St. Louis is there, right? No, no, it was just no. St. Louis, Louis is home. Sorry, no, but St. Arizona home, so and LA. It's, it's like, actually fascinating. Saturday, I think it was Saturday. The Coyotes had so many split squads going. They had one team in Arizona, another team in St. Louis, and another team was playing St. Louis in Wichita, Kansas. I think. Yeah, well, I, I lost track of all their all their teams, but the ice we know wasn't great in Australia. Um, how close were they to not playing those games? I think actually pretty close. Um, I think the NHL averted crisis here and was able to stage the games. I had spoken to a number of players um, that were down there just via text message to get a sense of what it was like after the coyotes canceled practice. And the thought process was well, well worse than some of the outdoor game ice that they've used. So okay. I think the NHL ran into a number of challenges. And, and if you read some of the stuff on NHL.com, it was a legitimate heavy undertaking to, uh, to get all of their equipment to even build a rink to Australia. Like, they sent shipping containers, like multiple shipping containers, through the Panama Canal to the other side of the world, starting in May. So, yeah. 
full rink, full, you know, setup. And I don't know if the conditions were poor. I don't know if it was the, I know the piping that they used under the surface was not what they typically would use. They didn't have the ability to send their full chiller there. And it just, it was an ugly situation that I think they put in tons of hours just to be, make, be able to make it passable, playable. I know both teams were concerned about injury, which is always what you're worried about in the preseason. Um, But, uh, you know, having traveled 15 and a half hours to get there, they kind of felt like they had to put on the show and, and muster through it. Yeah, you you basically had to play because you're you're all the way there. Like it, it was an interesting place to to be playing. You 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 mentioned Frank just to even have a rink, right? So I understand the the global aspect and growing the game and stuff. But this one, you know, I'm like, how close is Australia to you know really playing hockey? And who knows? Like I know L.A. Technically, I think geographically they're the closest team uh, to Australia. So. You know, maybe the Australians will now be fans of the Kings. Who knows? They might. And I guess if they sell 100 more jerseys, I don't know. Is that worth? Does that cover all the cost of uh, shipping all those uh, <laughs> cargo boats? I don't know. We'll see. But, like, I don't know. This one this one seemed like a strange choice. When they're playing in Finland and Sweden and Czechia and those countries, Frank, that makes sense to me. But I just, like, how many decades are we away from Australian hockey? Well, to be fair, it's a really small population, but they actually do have a pretty rich tradition of hockey there in the sense that like they've been playing well, hockey hockey. there for, no, no, they've been playing ice hockey there for a long time. Go back to the 1920s and thirties. They were actually somewhat competitive on the world stage. It's just that it's obviously fallen off in a big way since then. There's only 22 rinks in the country. The continent is the size of uh, the U S maybe a little bit bigger uh, so it's a big place. Um, and look, here's here's the truth. Um, the NHL was cut a big check to play these games. Okay, there you go. There's a, there's a promoter there that uh, was really hungry to get the NHL there. They got buy-in from the Players Association. I think the money counts as HRR. Uh, so there was reason and incentive for players to go. And look – it's not always about the money. I do think that in some of the other places that they've gone to, you know, the biggest player population outside of North America comes from Sweden. So it makes sense to go play games in Sweden and play multiple games in Sweden, Finland, same thing. Um, I think Australia is a bit of a reach. And I also think with how far it is that it just adds complication, but we'll see if they go back. I'm, I'm very curious to see, you know, if it has, and it might not have zero. I'm, I'm curious if it has any impact. Like the LA Kings, Arizona, no offense. I don't see them being that competitive, but uh, the LA Kings should be a very competitive team. And now they have lots of ample time, right? Train The season doesn't start now for another 16 days. So, um, you know, I wouldn't think there'd be a carryover of jet lag or anything like that, but it is a small thing to watch for if you're LA. Look, here's the other thing that I think the NHL probably pointed out is some of the other teams that have gone halfway around the world to play games early in the season uh, have had a lot of success. Um, If I'm not mistaken, the Boston Bruins went to the Stanley Cup final after starting their season in China. So it, it, there is a track record of that uh, happening. Some teams say that it, it bonded them early. A lot of time spent together away on the plane dinners, whatever it is. Does it mean anything? Probably not, but. I think it's interesting to watch. Yeah. No. Well, Hey, this season, I, as I keep looking and and doing prognostications, man, like you look at Pittsburgh who didn't make the playoffs last year and they added Eric Carlson. Everybody thinks Buffalo's improved and they were right on the door of making the playoffs. A lot of people think Ottawa's improved. You know, people think Detroit's improved like the Eastern conference. I don't know if there's top heavy, but man, the, the, the battling for, uh, for positions, in the East this year is fascinating to me. Like, I think there's legit 12 teams like Montreal, sorry, you know, Columbus. I don't think I'm putting them in, in that category, but there is a lot of other teams that I could, I could make a strong case that they're a legit playoff contender. And, and it might go like 12, 13 teams deep. I can't recall the last time there was that many that I thought had legit chances. 12 to 13 is feels like a lot. I I think you might be like 
one or two heavy, but not it's not crazy far off. I also like to say playoff contender, like what does that mean? Like what, you know, think about it. If you're like looking at like a, um, a golf green and you got to get it within a certain circle to get a gimme, like what are we considering contender? Is it like five points within a playoff spot? And like what, like what's your mark of, of being in the mix? Well, I, I look at Buffalo. They missed the playoffs last year by one point, right? Um, Pittsburgh missed by one point. So I put that there was 10 teams. I Ottawa missed by five. I, I think, I think they're improved now. Detroit's got to improve by like 12 points. So that that's a lot. So they might be there, but Columbus, Montreal, Philly, I don't have in and Washington is teetering on the brink for me. I'm not certain. Now they had a lot of injuries to key players. So maybe John Carlson and Backstrom, and if they're all back, then maybe, you know, they're there. So I'm not going to count them out. They would be like the 12th team. But I think the other 11 are legit. I think Detroit should be at least in the conversation. If not, it's uh, so, a disappointing year. So I don't have Detroit in that mix. Okay. Um, I don't like their back end. I have been kind of clear about that, much to the chagrin of Red Wing fans. Um, so I, I don't I have Detroit outside of that zone. Now, I I was curious, though, when you mentioned the points and the jump that you have to make, one of the things you said last week was that obviously the Bruins aren't going to be a 135-point team, so there's going to be a dispersion of points sort of back into the pool, the rest of the bank in the Eastern Conference. Theoretically, then, and the the usual standard the the average over the last 15 to 20 years the bar to to clear to get into the playoffs has been 96 points last year was 92 that number is probably going to go up so like for a team like detroit you're talking about a 16 point improvement that's a lot is it doable yes we've seen teams make jumps like that year over year and it does happen i just i think they're further way further behind than Ottawa and Buffalo. Okay. So, and Pittsburgh? Yes, and probably Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I don't, I don't see Pittsburgh getting any worse. They might be the same. They could be better, but I don't think they're worse this next no. year. Do you? No, I, I don't. I don't see how they're worse at all. Like, like now, the one caveat for the Penguins is the health of a Jenny Malkin. Because if you look at it historically, he's usually missing 10, 15, 20 games. Last year, he barely missed any, right? Which is rare. Him and Crosby, and both of them had really good seasons. So, um, you know, the, the Eric Carlson, I just don't see how it can't help their team, right? Like, Eric Carlson's a pretty dynamic player. And, you know, you have him and Chris Letang. They're going to play separate. I think Letang's fine with Carlson running the first unit power play. Why wouldn't he? The guy's one of the best offensive defensemen we've ever seen. So uh, I, I think Pittsburgh will be better, Frank. Um, and, and their bottom six, that's really the question. Like, their bottom six produced very little last season. Right? They don't yeah. have to be great. But if, they're, if their bottom six can be middle of the road, that'll help them quite a bit. So the hardest part is who do you take out? And I think for me, I don't want to make any too definitive statements on September 25th, but the first team I'm taking out is the Islanders. Well, yeah, their offense, man. In, in an era where offense is up, I just, I don't know. Although I always think that the Islanders aren't going to improve and they fight, they always find a way to get in. They've got the, you know, one of the best goalies, if not maybe the best goalie in the East in Sorokin, arguably. So he'll be in the mix, but with offense going up, I just, that's my concern for the Islanders. And they like Zach Parise scored 20 goals for them last year. He's not back. Like, and they didn't replace him with anybody. Yeah. I think the only thing that makes me nervous in making that prediction is that Sorokin could easily carry a team there. Yeah. So awesome. what, how do you feel like, here's the other team that I'm, I think is teetering on the edge and that's Florida. Like Brandon Montour what an unbelievable season that was last year. Can he do that again? Well, no, because he won't start the season healthy. <laughs> right. But I, I'm so, so I'm saying, okay, here, here's the other part about it in saying those injuries, like, yes, they're going to, they're probably going to be out for a bit Montour and Ekblad. But what I'm saying is remember last year, we were having this same conversation about the Bruins. Can yes. they just hang on? Can they survive 
until they can get their top stars back from injury didn't matter at all. No. I yeah. just don't see that happening again. Do you? Well, it's different. It's true because recency bias is a thing. And we all, I think a lot of times we have to take a step back to not get caught up in recency bias. And you're, and I was like, yeah, we, we, a lot of people thought Boston might teeter on the brink and then they went out to have the best season in NHL history and probably one that's going to be really difficult to be matched ever again. I don't see Florida going to 135 points, but Florida's forwards are good. Um, I, I think their goaltending, you know, when Bobrovsky's on, He's really good. I think we've seen that. So um, I don't expect him to be nine twenty, but in today's NHL, if he's nine ten, that that's pretty good. Um, their defense and is a, a big question season mark. For, it's a big season for Spencer Knight too. Yeah, it is. And um, I don't know, Florida. I just I don't. I'm, I'm leery to count them out, but I can see why. If they struggle, it's easy to point the finger and say, well, yeah, they don't have Ekblad. They don't have Montour. Like, how many teams can overcome not having your two best defenders or defensemen? I think adding Oliver Ekman Larson was really smart at that number. I just, yeah. I'm not sure that for the first few months that they can just squeak by with their defense. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they have to stay, Frank in the mix, right? You, I, I think if, if you fall too far behind because there's so many competitive teams in the East, I think it's going to be difficult to play catch up. If you're within three points come Ekblad and Montour's return, then I think then I not fine might be downplaying it, but I think you should, you should be, you can look at yourself and say, okay, we've given ourselves a chance, but if they come back and they're 10 points out, that's going to be hard to overcome. So, so let me read to you their seven defensemen that they're going to be starting the season with. Okay. Gustav Forsling, Oliver yeah. ekman Larson, Nico Mikola, Mike Riley, Dmitry Kulikov, Josh Mahura, and Lucas Carlson. Yeah. It's not great. It, it, it's, not, it's not like it's, it's bottom five in the league. Uh, yeah, well, see, they got some guys, Frank, that are kind of unheralded. Like, I like Forsling. Like, Forsling's a good... Now, the problem is, he might have to play top pair. See, that's what's... That's, but that's what I'm saying. That they're asking yeah. Forsling to play, to be their number one defenseman for the first two months of the year. Yeah. Yeah, that might be a bit ass, big ask. Yeah, that's fair. Right? But, who knows? Maybe he looks at this and says, hey, welcome to the Forsling show. I'll show you guys for a few months I can do it. We'll see. They are, they are, I think it's fair to say they're one of the more intriguing competitive teams to watch because you don't know how they're going to handle their injuries. I agree. I, look, I'm not rooting against them by any means. I'm just, it's yep. a big, big question mark. And I think, look at all these teams the last few years that have had their season sunk by mid-November. Oh, yeah. Ottawa, Vancouver, like, Teams have been well out of the mix that it's entirely possible that you just enter a tailspin that you don't recover. And by the way, the Panthers were pretty dreadful last season by Christmas. Were they that far out? Yeah. Remember you, you had the Panthers as like, Hey, uh, you were pumping the Panthers up. I always said they'd come back. Yeah. But they were, they were in big, big trouble. Last season, I'll give you their record. Uh, Christmas Day, let's see. Christmas Day, they were 15, 16, and four, and on a three game losing streak. Hmm, not good. Yeah, I mean, not that they were on pace for an 80 point season. Yeah, and then, the, yeah, they've. I, they found their way, which I thought they could, but now I'll be honest. I never thought they'd go to the Stanley cup final. I want to be abundantly clear about that, but um, yeah, see, there's just something about Kachuk and Barkov that I have a hard time counting out. Oh, they're going to fight. I'm not, I'm just saying in a really, we just, we started this conversation by saying it's a really crowded East. And I just think when you have a defense core, that sort of ham and an egg in you're you're in a you're you're in an uphill battle for the first bit yeah no that's fair uh let's bring in 
Tyler Uremchuk to the program. Uh, very excited after his uh, Buffalo Bills with a convincing victory on the weekend. Ty, how you doing? Big sports weekend for me, though. You're right. The Bills smoked the Commanders. The Toronto Blue Jays look like they're going to get in the playoffs after it was looking dicey for a little bit. So I was having. Hey, hey, hey I'll just say this. Days. 1987, Ty. Nothing's guaranteed. The Jays lost seven, their final seven games and lost out to Detroit. So I agree with you. It looks good, but I would, uh, until they're in, I would, after, after living through 1987 and probably, if you think about one of the worst collapses in pro sports in the final week of a season, I'm sure, I'm not sure there's a better one. Yeah, that uh, that was something I remember. Obviously, I wasn't alive for that, but I know about it. And I don't know the Jays just because Seattle has to play the Rangers in Houston. Like they're pro- yeah. there is a chance they could not win a game this week and still get into the playoffs, which is insane to think. Um, yeah, anyways, today's edition of fill in the blank. Once again, relying on our friends at Botano for some information, but we're doing it a little bit differently. I am pitting you guys together in a head to head competition of guessing the line at Botano. We're going to go prices right rules. So closest one without going over will win the round. I'm going to give you guys a bet that's up at Botano and you have to guess what the line is. So the first three are all over unders for point totals for the year. And then the last two are percent chance that they make the playoffs. I converted the odds into a percentage to make it easier. So stop Googling, Frank. Yeah, no, no, on, I'm Frank. pouring myself a cup of water. It's not vodka, <laughs> I swear. Uh, so the first one I got for you guys is the over-under for points this year for the Montreal Canadiens. Frank, I will let you go first. What do you think the line is set at, the over-under for the Canadiens this year? So closest without going over? Correct. Yeah. I'm going to say 68. Jason? Well, the line would have to be a half. So um, I will say okay, seventy and a half. Wow, Gregor's been reading his Botano bang on with seventy and a yeah. half to take. I haven't been reading it at all. I love it. <laughs> well, they had sixty-eight last year, so I'm giving them one more win. A little bit of an improvement. Fair enough. Frank, we'll go out to uh, where you're staying right now and go with Vancouver. Gregor, you're going to go first, though. The over-under for the Canucks this year in their point total. Yeah, see, I think Frank and I are both believing the Canucks are going to improve. It's just how much are they going to improve? Um, I think they had 84 points last year. I will say the 83. Canucks. 83? Okay. I'm going to say the Canucks. I don't think the betters like them. I'm going to say 87 and a half. Frank? I'm going to say 88. I mean, you guys are bang on with these. Gregor's two for two on nailing the line exactly. It's 87 and a half up at Botano right now. Do you think he was feeling guilty at all when he said no Googling? <laughs> He's got Dude, like here's my hands. Road. I'll show you. I'll sit here like this. I haven't Googled at all. Gregor's got his son behind him flashing up what the answers are like it's actually prices right uh all right third one here um of course this is i wish there was an actual prize because you know yeah like per well, prize hey, one thing but a prize hey is speaking of, speaking of epic so, collapses you've only won two of the five questions so far There's oh yeah that's true i don't want to yeah that's right i don't want to be the blue jays <laughs> uh <laughs> the over under for the colorado avalanche frank your turn to go first what's the line set at this one's tough because they're a good team you don't really know yeah. how books are going to handle it 101 101 jason what do you got hey frank this is your third guest don't you realize you gotta have half points <laughs> Have I guess he doesn't have. What's to. the difference? The, the point is to not go over. Maybe I'd yeah, but if I go one hundred, if I go one hundred and one point five, then I win. Yeah, um, spirit of the game. I, I will say, yeah, the Avs. I'll go one hundred and two point five. Oh, you just prices right at him so hard. You guys both actually went pretty far under here with uh, one hundred eight point five being uh, the line. How many did they have last year? I think they were 109. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically the same. Huh. Basically the same year. Yeah. All, um, right. all right. Well, two more for you guys to see if Frank can uh, make this thing interesting. A uh, percent chance that the Sabres make the playoffs. So I've flipped this one into a percentage. Gregor, what do you got? Well, I know that. So is this what I think or what they think? Because if it was me, I'll say, look, I'll say 100. Line. But if it's what they're going to say, um, 50, 
I'm going to say like 58%. Frank? Uh, I'm going to say 64. Oh, Frank, all you had to do was go under. You both blew it over. It's uh, 50%. The Sabres are even money, plus 100 huh. to uh, make the postseason this year on Botano. And uh, we'll By the way, can we, can we talk about that for a second? Because sure. Jay said if it were up to me, I would say 100%. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Team Thompson right here, buddy. You know it. I like All the right. Sabres, man. Yeah. Hunter's aggressive, though. Yeah, I know. Well, he's aggressive. But, hey. Uh, percent I, didn't I didn't say I'd put money on 100%. There you go, yeah. Uh, percent chance that the Seattle Kraken make the playoffs this year. Uh, Frank, you can go first. 69 69% for Frank Gregor. What do you got? Well, Buffalo's 50 and they missed by one. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle made it. They had a career year, although their goaltending was terrible. Um, I'm going to say Seattle's like 55. 57% is the correct answer there. They are minus 133. Um, <laughs> Frank, this was not your go, but oh, we'll blame Frank it on is you. like the Vancouver Canucks of the preseason right now. <laughs> Swept, swept clean out of the well, game. I, I think what this tells me is that, well, A, I shouldn't be gambling, but also <laughs> B, um, I see things a little bit differently than the book, which yeah. can be good or bad. Yeah, yeah. So you really like Seattle, eh? See, I, I think Seattle's in, I think Vancouver and Calgary are going to push them. I actually don't like Seattle, and I think there's a chance that they don't make the playoffs, like a real chance. Yeah. But I think I was I was assuming that the book would see it that coming off of winning a round in the playoffs, that they'd find you know that they'd keep going like this as opposed to going the other direction. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Um, fifty-seven percent. That one was lower than I thought it was, but there is kind of that What's- weird mushy middle in the Pacific. By by curiosity's sake, Ty, who has the highest percentage chance of making the playoffs? The highest percentage chance of making the playoffs, I believe, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, no, sorry, it's the Colorado Avalanche. At what? Oh, well, that was actually my tiebreaker question that I had written down as I took the abs and I said, what do you think the books are saying is their percentage to make the playoffs this year? So what do you think? Frank, what do you think it is? A hundred? I don't know. Yeah, it's 94.34% is what the books so are giving the, the highest to make the playoffs. Yeah. If you wanted to make $100 betting on the Avs to make the playoffs, you would have to lay down $1,667 would have to be your wager to uh, profit 100 bucks on the Avs making the postseasons. There you so go. So if I put 100 on the Sabres to make the playoffs, it's 50%. So do I get? what's the odds going to be? Am I getting 100 bucks? Yeah, you bet 100, win 100. Whatever oh. you bet is what you win. Let's put that one down. <laughs> I'd have to. All right, there you go. That's a wrap on this week's edition of uh, Fill in the Blank. And for Frank's sake, we will retire the head-to-head competitions on this show. See you guys. Hey, I think we should keep it going. Um, Yeah, we'll have a bounce Here's the thing. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think they are correct, though, in that the Central is the worst division in hockey this season. Yeah, I think after their top three teams. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I I, I mean, I I think their three are making it and then no one else. Yeah, like, because you've got, you would need Winnipeg, St. Louis, um, who else? can I think of in there? Well, yeah, Nashville, probably not. So yeah, I agree that, you know, Chicago, Arizona. Yeah. Like this seems like a destined year for five teams from the Pacific. And I have to go back and double check, but I'm not sure five teams from the Pacific have ever made it since this rule change. And they had the five. I I was going to say, this is a huge flip because for years we were talking about what a monster the central was. Yeah. You know, Nashville, Winnipeg, Colorado, like all those teams were really good for a long stretch. And it was, it was a really tough division to make it, but it's kind of a, a downswing. And, you know, I think I was thinking about the blues the other day when they named Braden Shen, their captain, like what are the expectations this season for the blues? It's a good question. Um, I think, you know, that organization has high standards right? That they've, they've had a lot of change. I think St. Louis would be disappointed if they're not a playoff team. No question. How realistic is it is probably a better question, right? From outside, right? Like, you know, I don't think St. Louis, the way they built their team, Frank, like they didn't, you know, they're like, they gave Cairo and Thomas their big contracts. Right. So, you know, I think they felt like they kind of retooled on the fly. And although we can debate, well, not debate, I think it's clear how they retooled their blue line didn't work. They went with a lot smaller defenseman and they're paying the price for it now. But um, like, I think St. Like Louis, would ha- they'd be a big surprise to me if they made the playoffs. It's not the size of St. Louis's defense that I think is problematic. For me, it's the age. They're all well, they are- on the wrong side of 30. Yeah, like well, do they have 31, it? Krug 32, Pareko 30, Letty 32, Scandella yeah. 33, Bortuzzo 34. I mean, yeah. that is that is an aged defense core. And I don't know. I, I I what do you make of the Kevin Hayes acquisition up front and Jacob Verona? Well, you know, Jacob Verona's been a player that and he stays healthy. He's man. He's been pretty productive. If you just look at points per game and goals per game, he's he's definitely got skill. Um, where is he going to be at? Uh, I, I think in between the years is probably the biggest question mark for him. If he's on the right path, then yeah, he could play well. Kevin Hayes at his cap hit now will be very good value. I think for for St. Louis, right? He he wasn't a seven million dollar player in my eyes. I don't think you were going to get value at that number, but at half the price. I think they could look and at the end of the year, they're going to say, wow, for 3.5 million, Kevin Hayes being a really good player for us. Yeah. He's going to impact multiple units. He's going to play on their penalty kill. He should. Um, I don't know. Like how much more, like can someone like Jake neighbors take a step forward this year? Yeah. I really those, think those are actually, all big questions that like they, they've got a, but like speaking of gambling, I mean, that's kind of essentially what Doug Armstrong is doing. Jacob Rana, really talented player, going to have a bounce back year. Jake Neighbors takes a step forward. Kasperi Kapanen on the, you know, on the way out in Pittsburgh, it seemed like there were real question marks. Like, how is this guy, you know, is he going to be able to continue his career? Yeah. Meaning, it, maybe that's a, a step too far, but like, it certainly felt like he was trending in the wrong direction in terms of where his game was at, that it, it, it was, you know, he was looking at a couple years left in the league. Um, and now they've got a bunch of these guys all assembled on one kind of forward group. Well, yeah, you look at, you know, Hayes, Cappen and Verana are all guys that they're like, Hey, can we, can we have bounce back years? 
right? And if they do, then yeah, the, the Blues can be competitive, right? Like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, like Cairo quietly had 37 goals last year, right? Probably maybe Dude, the, they're really good players. Yeah, like least talked about 37 goal season in a while by a guy like Jordan Cairo. And, you know, he went, he's gone like back to back 75, 73 point seasons. Like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty solid. It's pretty consistent. So I think they hope that maybe he becomes an 80 to 85 point player. And, you know, Robert Thomas, who's had, I think, 65 and 73 or whatever it is. Um, so they, they've got some guys, but they need the, 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 the guys you outlined, Frank. The middle scores in St. Louis is what killed them last year, right? Like their top guys produced, but then there was a big drop off. Right. And I think that's going to be, you know, the key for them. Like Ryan O'Reilly only had 19 points granted in 40 games, but you know, he wasn't the player that they wanted before they traded him. So they're going to have to have like, even Verana last year, when he came into St. Louis, did he not score at at like a half a game goal pace? Yeah. He had 10 goals in 20 games, 14 points. Yeah. I mean, that guy, that's all he does. He scores goals, man. Yeah. His goals per 60. It was like, but, you know, in his career is like on like just under Alex Ovechkin. Like it was outrageous yeah. how good he was. Yeah. Um, but like four years ago, he was a 52 point player. Like, is that reasonable? I, I fresh start. I think it probably is if he can get his act together. Um, we did talk about goaltending and I feel like that's sort of the underrated, not underrated or under talked about part of the blues sort of demise is, Yes. Jordan Bennington played a lot of games last year and was well under 900 save percentage. Yes. Um, he's basically looking at his last hundred games in the NHL are sub 900 as a, as a whole. He had uh, 37 games at a 901 and then 61 at an 894. So that's a pretty large sample size to say hey this guy has been substandard for a while he he's this is a, this is a huge year for him um cuz i think they're pretty excited about Joel Hofer who takes over the reins as the number 2 that i wouldn't be shocked at all if at some point this season jordan bennington starts to falter that they give Joel Hofer a run to see if he can if he can do it well, yeah, like, you know, it's you're you're talking what five years away now from when you won the Stanley Cup where Bennington was excellent in that season. But you know what? It's about nowadays for the blues. And and that that is if that might be the number one storyline in St. Louis heading into the season is does Bennington bounce back? And you know, how how competitive is that crease going to be during the season for the blues? It's an untradeable contract for Bennington. He's got four years left at six million. And wow. speaking of untradeable, how awkward is it? Is it awkward at all for Tory Krug coming back after? I can't remember the last guy that was in a deal that was completed that said no. Which, like, I'm not. Yeah. not like, I'm good for him. Like he, I get it. He didn't want to go to a rebuilding team and wanted a chance to win. But how much did we talk about the Blues going into the draft saying Doug Armstrong is not going to make all three picks that he had in the first round and they didn't get anything done? No, no, not at all. So, yeah, it's a good question about, you know, other guys because we know that there's players that get talked about and, you know, some ask for trades and then they don't get traded and then they end up playing well. But maybe it's different when you're like, well, I didn't want to be traded and these guys wanted to trade me. So, um, but it will be funny. Now, going back to Bennington, like a untradeable at that rate, if, if St. Louis eats half, then he's probably tradable, right? At three mil. Yeah, but who wants to eat? It's, it's four years left. Yeah. It's three after this one. Who wants to have that on their books for three years if you're the Blues? Yeah, well, the Blues might not want it, but they might say, hey, we'd rather have three than six, right? Like, I wonder, and here, and the only reason I say that, Frank, is because let's say he struggles this year and, you know what, looking for a change. Because we've seen guys goaltending that changes and you don't think they're going to be good and all of a sudden something pops. The Chicago Blackhawks don't have a goalie moving forward. Mm-hmm. Would they take uh, three years of Bennington at three million bucks? I don't know. It's yeah. the... uh 
Will he also stop with his his BS oh. trying to fight someone tough guy routine? Oh, well, or just fight someone, please. Like, and I don't condone fighting, but I don't like the fake like ooh ooh. Like, let's either do it or zip it. Like, yeah, I'm with you, man. Drives me wild watching it. I can't oh. imagine what Craig Berube's feeling on the bench. <laughs> One of the legit tough guys of all time. Yeah, watching that nonsense. Yeah, like either you have, then drop it and let's go and let's see. And like maybe it's super tough. I don't know, but yeah. You'd, you'd think he'd have an opportunity if you really wanted to do it, to do it. Right? Mr. Emery, rest in peace, uh, he always found a tilt when he wanted one. So they are they are findable, Frank. Sometimes even with some unwilling combatants. <laughs> True. Well, Frank, have a good uh, few days in Vancouver. Uh, we will see you as you uh, make your way uh, uh, east into uh, Alberta later on this week. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.